Hey everybody, it's time for the Down in the Valley podcast. This is your host, Todd Golden, creator of the Down in the Valley podcast. Not sure why I'm giving myself that much credit, but I'm just talking into a phone and you're listening. So this would be episode 22 overall in the history of this podcast. Um, First of the new basketball season. How about that? Finally, we have some hoops to talk about instead of talking about COVID-19 all the time. We'll have plenty of time to talk about COVID-19, unfortunately, probably as the season goes along. But at least for this night, we're talking about basketball as the Sycamores make their belated debut to the season after they had their own COVID-19 issues that caused them to have to uh, pause and delay the start of their season. Indiana State played Truman State tonight, Division II Truman State, defeated them 80-66, to um, outscored Truman State 47-30 to in the second half, used a 17-0 run to pull away, and that was that. So we'll get into the game um, here in a second. First of all, before I do that, I want to tell you about kind of the way I'm thinking uh, I'm going to format my season's coverage as far as down in the valley is concerned this year. Um, off and on over the years, going back into the 2000s, I've done um, a written version of Down in the Valley. Uh, there was a couple years there where I actually didn't do it. Um, there was some, I forget, there was like there was a technology issue for a while. Like in the earliest versions of Down in the Valley, it was like on WordPress. It wasn't even, it was only nominally attached to our website. Then when we switched software, we built it into the website, and I, I, I could bore you with all the details. Um, but it's been an off and on enterprise over the years. Um, and I obviously want to continue it. A lot of people do do read the Down in the Valley. However, I'm going to make it a little bit more of a multimedia um, proposition this year. Um, with the way the season is structured, especially once we get to Missouri Valley Conference games, you're going to be, you're going to be talking about two games in one weekend. I'm not sure there's a whole lot of value to writing a separate down in the valley for every game like I've done in in most seasons, uh, including the last few, when they're so close together back to back. Um, so what I intend to do is, is this. Uh, for weekday games, which there's not very many, um, this would be one ISU plays at St. Louis a week from today. Uh, they play SEMO the week after that, and then there's the two Evansville weekday games during conference season. But apart from that, uh, ISU is playing all weekend games, kind of like it's almost like uh, baseball or football. So rather than do a separate Down in the Valley for every game, I'm going to do uh, an audio, a podcast Down in the Valley uh, for weekday games and the Saturday games, or the first game of, of the two-game series that they're going to be playing in the in Missouri Valley Conference. And then at the end of those um, series, I'll do a, like a, a once-a-week written version of Down in the Valley. So a little different this year. I want to try this. Uh, hopefully, you know, I'll say it. I'll dry, I want to drive some people to listen to this podcast, um, and I'll be posting these the day after games. I'll probably end up calling them uh, the day after or something like that. <clears throat> Um, so that's my plan. We'll see how long that lasts, um, should last throughout the season. But, um, like I said, I want to try something new. Hopefully you like it. If you don't, sorry, but that's the way I intend to do it this year. So let's jump into this because we got a lot to unpack with this, not only this game, but just the start of the season in general, because 
there really hasn't been a start to the season quite like this. And when I say that, obviously COVID-19 is the big reason. There are no fans at the revamped Holman Center, which is a shame. Um, I actually did record, before I go on, I actually did record a podcast last Friday um, that I intended to post like a preseason one. I recorded it on my way down to Evansville to cover Terre Haute North's season opener against Evansville Central. And as you can guess, as anybody with half a brain could guess, when you're recording in a car, a moving car, which I did on my Bluetooth, I was using my wife's car because I hit a deer last week down in southern Vigo County, but, um, you know, the audio isn't very good, so I scrapped it. Uh, I didn't use it. But, um, you know, one of the things that I brought up in the, in the aborted podcast that I did was, uh, you know, I'd done the Holtman Center tour the day before, and it's really unfortunate that all the hard work that was put into this, and this project was in the works uh, going back well into the early 2000s. Um, I remember former ISU president, Dr. Daniel Bradley, uh, emphasized to me whenever I asked him about facilities or athletic priorities that Holman Center's renovations were uh very easily number one on the on the list of athletic priorities that the administration at ISU had. And so a lot of people over the years have put a lot of time into this. I know the fans have been looking forward to it. So it was unf- it was a real buzzkill. Um, as happy as I was to have basketball back going again and get to some sense of normalcy, it was a shame to be sitting in there basically, you know, by my lonesome. Um, to watch basketball. I'm blessed that I can because I know most of you would love to be there and can't. Uh, the only people that are allowed in there right now are essential personnel and and parents are allowed in as long as they spread out. So uh, so the official attendance was 60, which is the, basically the parents. So, um, But, you know, ISU spent so much time and money to get this thing done and then once it is done, it was supposed to be a big deal to open it this year and and life happened so it's too bad i guess the some solace can be taken in the fact that once things some at some point do get back to normal the fans will be able to experience it so um because it's it's while it's not some grand massive overhaul like when you walk in there it's not like it's going to be unrecognizable it's still the holman center it's still the basic blueprint of what you think of the Holman Center. But there are a lot of bells and whistles that fans will like, um, both in terms of uh, the arena experience and then the just the fan experience. The concourses are wider, bathrooms are better, concession stands are much better. Uh, the entrance is a vast improvement. It's actually a real entrance. I didn't know this, or I think I knew this. Somebody told me this at one point, and I'd forgotten about it, but the old Holman Center front entrance on Cherry Street was intended to be the ticket office when they built it. And I don't know why it's it became the front entrance, but it did. And obviously you couldn't, you know, there was no capacity to hang out and talk to people before a game. And now you could do that. It's got a nice, um, I wouldn't, it's not officially called this, but it's sort of an atrium out front, I guess. Uh, if you want to call it that, I'm no architectural expert, obviously, but um, a lot more space. It's airy. It looks good. It looks modern. Um, the area I'm sitting in presently actually will be 
kind of a, a hospitality area when fans are let back in. Um, and it's nice. It's it's carved out beneath the the press box, which has been revamped as well, up uh, on the west side of the building. It's underneath that at, at at the concourse level, and there's couches and chairs and and you know a real hospitality area. They they've done hospitality in in that riser that was in one of the baselines in the last ten years or so, which you know served a purpose, but it wasn't ideal. Uh, and it didn't look very good, and there's only so much they could do with it. So this is a nice improvement. So hopefully fans will be able to get in there at some point. I don't know that the COVID numbers right now are making it look very promising, but we'll see. So so that was my first impression, you know, walking in today. Just very unusual, um, you know, unfortunate that the fans were there. But we knew that going in. So the other things that you know, I wanted to discover as I watched today is I have been to some practices, but ISU has very rarely practiced with their full squad at any point this season. Even before their two COVID stoppages, uh, you had players out. Tyreek Key spent a lot of time out uh, after he had an injection in his knee. Um, Kobe Barnes hasn't practiced since the very beginning of when official practices resumed, and he did not play on uh, Tuesday night. Um, you've had others out. Kalex Stevens, obviously, is out for the year. He won't play this year at all. So at no point do I ever think I saw the full team in action in a practice. I'm not sure that that, that it ever happened, other than maybe day one. Um, and even then, I don't think everybody was active that day. So I really wasn't exactly sure what the rotation was going to be. Um, you knew some players were going to play. Tyreek Key was going to start. Jake LaRavia was going to start. Trey Williams was going to start. After that, the rotations were uh, kind of a mystery. And with the COVID stoppages coming into play, and I'm not going to name the players who had COVID. That's their business. If they want to reveal it, that's fine. But it's not my business to do so. It's not important. Um, it, it didn't affect today's game at all. Um, so um, so I wasn't really sure what to expect in terms of what we were going to see basketball-wise. And um, so in that respect, it was an opener like no other. Normally, I'm, I'm pretty, even by the season opener, I'm pretty well-versed in who's going to get the minutes and all that stuff. And so it was very strange to walk in tonight and, uh, you know, not necessarily know exactly who was going to play. Um, so that was something that was a little bit jarring. And then you have the newness of everything. Uh, there's, a, <laughs> there's a new uh, basketball floor. It has ISU's new logo very proudly uh, emblazoned in the middle of it. The lanes are actually kind of like that natural wood. They're, they're not painted. Um, you know, they, they're, they're just hardwood, which I don't know if ISU's ever had that design before. Um, Maybe they have, and I just forgot about it. But um, it's not like some crazy... It's not like Oregon's court where they went crazy with any kind of stylistic silliness. I mean, it's it's a basic court. Um, new uniforms as well. And what was unusual about the u- new uniforms is that um, they have gray numbers, which um, somebody would have to tell me. But, you know, you don't typically see gray numbers on a white uniform. 
I didn't think it looked that bad, honestly. I got used to it in a, in a pretty good hurry. Um, on my social media, <laughs> it took me... One thing that did make me feel like normal tonight is I took a picture of the court as I walked in, and I had an, a tweet early on that said ISU has gray numbers on their home uniforms. And before the game even started, I had somebody on social media telling me uh, the court looks terrible and these uniforms are a joke. And it's like, hey, it's everything's back to normal. I got fans on social media being absolutely impatient um, and unhesitating about their opinions. So that kind of made me feel a little warm. And if, I, I don't know that I agreed with those opinions, but um, it kind of made me feel like, hey, at least some things are still normal. You know, social media is going to do what social media does. So um, anyway, I didn't mind the uniforms. I'm looking forward to seeing the blue versions uh, to see how that looks. Might be a little too close to the Detroit Lions for my taste, but uh, we'll see. I want to give them a chance. We'll see them at Purdue on Saturday. Um, so let's get to the game. And uh, if you watched, uh, you know, this is kind of my summary as I remember it. I don't have my play-by-play notes in front of me, but ISU started great, got off to an 8-0 run. Um, I think they scored on four of their first five trips or something like that. And uh, you could tell they were, you see this a lot at the beginning of seasons, they were very amped to play, uh, played really, up until the first media timeout, played very good defense, both inside and out on the perimeter. Truman State was, obviously was zero points struggling um but it didn't last um after that first media timeout isu made some changes that was when tobias howard jr and randy miller jr made their debuts the defensive um prowess kind of went south in a hurry truman state actually came back with a 12-0 run took the lead and they led in this game for eight minutes and 58 seconds which um i'm not going to sit here and say that they didn't deserve to lead or anything like that. That was actually a pretty good team that's come in here. And ISU has played Truman State. This was the fifth time they've played them since uh, Greg Lansing's been coach. And I went back and looked at the final scores, and none of those games were blowouts. I mean, they Truman State usually brings it to ISU. And Jeff Turner, their coach, who you probably know from when he played at Iowa in the 2000s, um, really well-disciplined team, good offense, had some good inside-out action, um, had some great shooters. I mean, you, you're talking about they had four or three guys hit four three-pointers tonight. Ben Cooper, number 20. I know you guys probably more identify these guys by number than name. He was four for six. Sam Locke, a freshman, number one, if you were watching, he was four for six. And number 35, Eric Northweather, who when he came in, he, he was, he, he, he was I think he was maybe the eighth guy to play for Truman State tonight. You see him, and he's kind of lanky and, you know, didn't look physically impressive, but his game was impressive. He was uh, four for five from three-point range and also did quite a bit of damage in the paint. He led them with 20 points. Uh, ISU was having a lot of trouble with Truman's inside-out game. Truman was good. They've played well. I don't know if you read my preview or not. Um, Their big win, they beat uh, Missouri St. Louis, who was ranked in the top 10 in the Division II national rankings uh, over the weekend. So... Uh, they were red hot, and I'm sure they thought they could continue that momentum into this game, and they did for a while. Um, they were good, and they deserve credit. 
On the other hand, ISU's defense was really poor in the last 15 minutes of the first half. ISU was just getting consistently beaten um, on dribble penetration. Either they'd let you know the ball handler go to the basket, uh, or more often he'd dish out to the perimeter when defenders had to overcommit to uh, account for the for the open you know ball handler in the lane, and they just torched ISU. Truman State. Um, shot 45% in the first half, shot 50% from three-point range, uh, six threes in all. And uh, ISU, after their early spurt, really wasn't great from the field. They caught up towards the end. They got to 44%, but for a while, for a lot of the first half, they were floating around in the 25 to 33 range in terms of shooting percentage. So it wasn't consistent. Um, apart from uh, Trey Williams was pretty good in the first half. Uh, past that, ISU was able to get some buckets that kept them, you know, from getting overwhelmed by Truman. I think Truman's biggest lead, I'm looking at it here in the box, was six points with 155 to go in the first half. ISU and they ISU does this a lot, no matter who's been on the team. When they get into games like this they tend to get a shot that they need at the right moment. Jared Hankins, who played his first game tonight for ISU, at one point had a four-point opportunity that kept ISU in it. After Truman took that six-point lead, ISU actually scored six straight, tied it right before halftime until Truman hit another three to actually lead 33-30 at halftime. Or thir- I'm sorry, 36-33. So at that point, Truman had to be feeling pretty good you know, about their situation. ISU's defense was poor. It was pretty clear what needed to be corrected. Um, did ISU correct it? Well, to some degree. I mean, Truman shot 39% in the second half, so ISU did a little bit better job, um, although they shot better from three-point range. They were 54.5% in the second half. So what ISU did do was they and – the, and the thing they, they did do all night defensively is they were opportunistic. They forced – 22 turnovers from Truman State. ISU scored 34 points off of turnovers. Um, And you have to give their true freshman point guard, Julian Larry, a ton of credit for that. He had five steals in his debut tonight. And, yeah, it's a Division II team and all that, but that's an impressive, uh, you know, kind of statement that Julian Larry made tonight and, you know, showed what his – and, you know, it's been – Coach Lansing has been raving about his ability to, uh, you know, create havoc defensively, and he did that tonight. So we'll talk a little bit more about Julian in a little bit. ISU actually started much the second half much as they did the game. Um, started with a 12-0 run. Trey Williams was instrumental in that. Um, he scored six points in that run, all off of that baby hook shot that he does a really good job of creating space for. He, he Trey's post moves uh, were working really well tonight and you know he gets his defender off his feet he uses that little bit of space and that touch he has on that hook and he buries it so uh, that was instrumental although Truman came back and tied it again Um, ISU's defense just wasn't consistent enough then ISU's other new player who made a big impression tonight Randy Miller Jr. transfer from North Carolina Central Uh, his you know you get a graduate transfer for their savvy, for their experience, for their leadership. And Randy Miller Jr. was a real calming influence on the Sycamores tonight. You know, 
up until that 17-0 run, ISU wasn't getting much from the players you typically think uh, would need to lead them. Tyreek Key and Jake LaRavia, um, well into the second half, I think at one point, had combined for only four points between them. So Randy Miller provided a much-needed offensive boost. During that 17-0 run, he had seven points. He had two steals, both leading to scoring opportunities for the Sycamore. So um, that experience that you want to have out of your graduate transfer, ISU was able to take advantage of that tonight. And that 17-0 run really is what ended it. ISU's lead peaked at 21 with 7.28 left. They let Truman get back within 12. I mean, and and it wasn't like they got back within 12 with like a minute to go. I mean, there was it was before the last media timeout. So if ISU had really let things get out of hand, Truman, you know, with the way they were shooting, uh, if they had gotten that thing to single digits at the last media timeout, yeah, you're talking about game on. Um, it never got there. 12 was as low as it got, and ISU was able to uh, finish it off as some of the veteran sycamores that you expect to produce uh, heated up. Jake LaRavia scored most of his 13 points um, in that last stretch. So um, so an 80-66 to 66 victory. Uh, ISU starts 1-0. and And um, after the game, I spoke with uh, Randy Miller and um, Trey Williams and Greg Lansing. And the main theme that, that, that Greg put across is that, you know, he was a little bit forgiving of the team's defensive inconsistencies because of the COVID situation that they've been thrust into. Understandable for him to say that. I, 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 I don't blame him for that. Um, I guess what we'll have to figure out as we go along, though, is how much of that was COVID-related and how much of, this, of that is just can these guys defend-related. So that's something that we'll have to watch going forward, especially as the caliber of competition goes up significantly um, in the next three games. So um, some other statistical things as I look at the box score here. Um, ISU didn't shoot great from three-point range, 5 of 21. Um, but obviously that means they did shoot pretty well inside the paint. Um, out-rebounded Truman 39-35. to 35. A lot of those were team rebounds. So that... Team rebounds are hard to figure. Sometimes that means you're getting the effort plays and tipping it out of bounds off of somebody, which did happen a few times tonight. Sometimes it's just dumb luck. I, I think it's probably closer to the former than the latter. ISU, I, I can't fault ISU's effort. I mean, they were working hard, so take that for what it is. 16 assists against 11 turnovers. That's okay. Uh, 13 steals we mentioned. Um, so in the paint, ISU scored 44 points in the paint. Not bad. Um, bench scored 29. So uh, those are some statistical um, fun facts for you. Let's talk about the players. Um, I don't know if I'm going to do this in every podcast, but I think I'm going to uh, tonight because it's the first game and a lot of these players we haven't seen. So let's go down the list. Trey Williams started tonight, played 26 minutes, 8 for 12, 5 rebounds, 16 points. Uh, three block shots. He was a plus four. Um, ISU overall, of course, was a plus 14. I thought Trey was really good tonight. Um, offensively, he was assertive. I mentioned his hook shot before. Um, I thought his effort was really good. Um, defensively, he and Jake LaRavia, I'll talk about Jake next, but um, 
They had six block shots between them, and they were, you know, one of the things they added to ISU's game last year that made ISU so much better is their rim protection. That was definitely in evidence tonight. Um, and it wasn't like ISU completely overwhelmed Truman State in size either. I mean, ISU is not like some huge team. So it's good to see those guys active. I thought Trey um, Trey had a, had, a, had a really nice game tonight. I mean, defensively, he's, you know, and I'm – I'll talk about this in a little bit, but um, you have to sometimes differentiate defensively between opportunistic defense and fundamental defense is what I call it, although there's probably a better term for it, meaning opportunistic defense is creating steals, blocking shots. Um, Fundamental defense is just stopping somebody. You know, uh, can you keep your guy from scoring? Um, And rim protection is part of it, but another part of it is just – you know, keeping your man from getting the ball at all or making sure you're defending without fouling, that kind of stuff. So um, Trey's still – I'm not saying he did a bad job, but he's still learning in that department, um, and and he'll be fine. But right now he's more of a rim protector than he is a stopper, I guess is the best way to put it. So, But a fine game from Trey, and uh, good to see him come out of the gate good. Jake LaRavia started. He's listed as a guard. ISU has a center and four guards. I mean, he played forward. Um, 27 minutes, 5 for 13, 3 for 3 at the line, 5 rebounds, 13 points, also 3 block shots. He was a plus 12 tonight. Jake was, um, his effort was great. I mean, he was, and that's one of the best things about LaRavia, as you know from having seen him last year. He's got a great engine in him. Um he was doing a good job, um, for the most part, cutting off Truman State's desire to score in the paint, for the most part, when he was in the game. Um, struggled a little bit there from the field for a while, um, but I can't really fault the shots he was taking. Um, I thought he was taking maybe one or two were, you know, uh, maybe he could have dished it or something like that. But for the most part, they were good shots. Some of them just weren't falling, and that happens. Um, you know, I mean, it, it's I hardly mentioned Jake in my game story. and But I think ISU is in a great position if your baseline is what you – you know, the, 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 that 13 points, five rebounds, and three block shots somehow just seemed kind of ho-hum. For Jake Laravia, that shows how good he is. Still productive, still good for ISU tonight. Um, and you know, if he does that every night, they'll be fine. I'm sure he'll do better though in several other games. Next up, Cooper Nice did start tonight. Um, played 24 minutes, three for seven from the field, two for six from three-point range, um, ten points, three assists, no turnovers for Cooper. Um, I thought Cooper was fine. I mean, he actually made a really nice defensive play that I remember in the first half um, where he bodied down on a defender and didn't give in. Uh, I don't remember if a turnover resulted on that play or not. may have ultimately resulted in a shot clock violation. I might be mixing up two different possessions, but it was good to see Cooper dig in and and uh, make his uh, defender or make his uh, make the person he was defending feel uncomfortable. Cooper did a I, I, he 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 wasn't great from three point range tonight, but I didn't feel like he forced any shots. One time, one of the twos he made, uh, he did a good job of ball faking, drew the defender, stepped in front of him for a two point shot, 
um, and buried it, you know, a 19-footer. And while the optimal thing is to have the three-pointer, it also takes some basketball sense to know that when your defender is rushing at you, uh, to just do a quick step around to get a, a clean shot. So thought Cooper was fine tonight. Um, yeah, no issues from him. Julian Larry started tonight, the freshman, true freshman point guard, 24 minutes, three for seven, two for two at the line, five rebounds. Uh, he did foul out. I didn't just now realize that, not that it mattered. Eight points, four assists against one turnover, five steals, and a plus 32 to lead the team today uh, for the Sycamores. Uh, what a debut for Julian Larry. Um you know, and he made his presence felt right away on the very first possession of the game for Truman State. He gets a steal, takes it back for a uh, for a breakaway uh, basket. And we had been told how good he was in terms of his opportunistic defense, that he was a workhorse. Not as much of a scorer, but does all the effort things that you want to see. And, and he was there as advertised tonight. Really impressive stuff from Julian Larry. Had a pretty good feel for the game, too. I mean, one turnover for a f- true freshman, can't complain with that. Um, didn't feel like he forced very much offensively. Um, now, he was opportunistic defensively. Sometimes he did get beat off the dribble. He was not alone in that. Several ISU defenders were guilty of the same. But it was his first collegiate game. So, you know, we have to grade on a curve a little bit here. And uh, you got to give Julian Larry a ton of credit. That was a very promising debut from the true freshman. Um, Tyree Key, of course, started, played 31 minutes, a team high. Two for six from the field, 0 for three from three-point range. Seven boards, only four points, three assists, two turnovers, and one steal. He was a plus 20, uh, second best on the team tonight. Wasn't Tyreek's greatest game, Um he never really got into a flow offensively, obviously based on his 0 for 3. It's a bad luck things happen tonight. I know a ball, t- I know he was frustrated at one point. Um, a loose ball bounced off of him, kind of on a freak bounce, and he was not pleased with that. Um, you know, four points out of Tyreek, does ISU, ISU need more than that out of him? Yeah, but, you know, fortunately they have other people that could score tonight to uh, lift him up a little bit. So Tyreek will be fine. Um, Seven rebounds shows that he was into the game. He was giving effort um, and uh, off night scoring wise, but Tyreek will be fine. Now we're into the bench and uh, Tobias Howard is next on the list played uh, technically 19 minutes, 52 seconds, 20 minutes. Tough night shooting one for seven, 0 for three from three point range, one for two at the line. Two rebounds, three points, three assists, one turnover, two steals. Minus 18 uh, was Tobias, the only ISU player, well, the only one who played major minutes anyway in negative territory. And um, Tobias was kind of a water bug out there, kind of all over the place. Um, Probably did force a couple of those shots that he missed. ISU probably didn't need those at the time. Man-to-man defending-wise, Tobias was one of those who were guilty of getting beat off the dribble um, out on the perimeter. Um, again, he's he's obviously opportunistic with the two steals. Um, the flip side of being opportunistic is that sometimes you gamble and you get beat, and that did happen a couple times tonight. So um, 
So a bit of a struggle tonight for Tobias Howard, but um, you can see where the potential is there too. Very athletic, very quick, and uh, I'm sure he won't shoot one for seven every game. Next up, Randy Miller Jr., 21 and uh, basically 22 minutes. Seven for 11 from the field, two for six from three-point range, three for three at the line, three rebounds, 19 points, team high. Uh, one assist, two turnovers, two steals, plus six in the plus-minus. What a great game from Randy Miller. I, you know, again, I already mentioned, I don't want to go into him too much because I've already talked about him and his veteran savvy that ISU sought. Um, he also has a pretty good touch on his shot. I mean, two for six, but um, you never got the sense he was lacking any confidence in shooting the ball, which is a good thing. Um, he was able to get into the lane a few times and create some problems, and obviously, those two steals were big because they came in that 17-0 run that allowed ISU to pull ahead. So um, Randy Miller Jr., you know, that's as good of a debut as I've seen out of any Sycamore in recent years. So uh, kudos to him and uh, and the effort he had tonight. If if he didn't play as well as he did, that would have been a much, that could have been a much different game because he was, I think, if you had to pick an MVP of this game, he would be. Uh, the MVP because he was impactful on both ends of the floor. Trey Williams was pretty close too, but um, I'd give it to Randy Miller because he was, uh, um, yeah, I mean, he is the first time he ever played with this team. So it was impressive. Um, Nongo now, and I want to use this as your guide to pronounce his name. The two D's in his name are silent. So Nongo now is how you pronounce uh, ISU's uh New center's name. He played basically nine minutes tonight, one for two from the field, 0 for two at the line, three boards, two points, one assist, one steal, and he was even in terms of plus minus. I thought he was pretty good. He's got a brace on his knee right now, pretty big one, um, but kind of typical of a Juco uh, center. He's very athletic, very raw, not very good at the line. Anytime I see a big man dribbling a lot at the line I know it's going to be trouble I, I that's just a silly theory on my part but um <laughs> and Nongo went to the line once tonight and um struggled a bit but um but I loved his activity he got out on the floor it wasn't like he camped it. I mean he there was one play I noticed where he, if it had been the NBA he would have got a defensive three seconds because he basically just camped in the lane obviously not a college rule so it doesn't matter but but apart from that, I did see him chasing down some loose balls, running around, not just settling for getting a block shot or or kind of cherry-picking for a rebound. Um, I thought he was active. I thought he looked pretty good, and uh, that's good to see because ISU is going to need some depth in the paint this year, and Nongo uh, delivered that tonight. Another player making his debut tonight, a redshirt freshman, Jared Hankins from Indy, uh, played uh, basically 14 minutes tonight, one for two from the field, one for two from three-point range. Two for five at the line, struggled a bit there. Two rebounds, five points, one turnover, minus two, uh, plus minus. Uh, Hankins made uh, a really big impression on the first shot he made. It was actually a four-point play opportunity. He got fouled in the corner on a three-point shot that he made. Didn't make the free throw, but nice way to make a first impression. And uh, Jared's also very active defensively, made his presence felt, uh, harried some ball defenders, got beat off the dribble a few times too, but all in all, not a bad debut for uh, 
the Lawrence North graduate, and uh, it was good to see him and Lawrence Central graduate Jake Laravia kind of working a one-two there in the second half. So um, not too bad from Jared Hankins. We'll see what we can see from him going forward. And the last player to play tonight for ISU was uh, walk-on Sam Mervis, who got in late in the game, played a minute and a half, no statistics otherwise, and uh, just good to see him on the floor. I, You know, I wrote in my season preview um, – you know, there's going to be you – know, this is going to be the year where you're going to see everybody playing because of COVID situations and all of that. And, of course, you'll get the regular basketball injuries too. Um, so it was good to get him on the floor, get him get – him, get wet his appetite a little bit, and uh, we'll see what he can do as the season goes along. So um, like I mentioned, the, the overriding point I want to make about ISU's defense is that um, this team needs to square the circle between being a really good opportunistic team, meaning they're good at blocking shots, uh, good at forcing steals, and being able to be a team that could just, you know, lock down and get a stop because there is a difference. And sometimes ISU went too far in the direction of opportunism good, pragmatism bad a little bit. Not that they intended that, but that's how it kind of played out. And this team needs to get better at just uh, half-court defending. So that's one thing to take away from this tonight. Um, another thing is just Trey Williams and Jake LaRavia again um, showing their prowess in the paint. It's tough for teams to get easy looks in, in the inside the inside the lane, and um, obviously that's a good continuation from, from last year. And some of the new guys uh, show that they can be capable at this level. So... Next up for ISU, they go to Purdue on Saturday. Purdue uh, was way up on Miami um, tonight in the Big Ten ACC Challenge down in Miami. And I believe Purdue blew a 22-point lead and lost um, by four, I think, to the Hurricanes. So Purdue's not going to be in a great mood. The thing that worries me a little bit about Purdue, apart from the fact that they're a good team, is Eric Hunter Jr. is back. That's a guard that's going to give – if ISU defends – Eric Hunter Jr., like the defendants of a Truman State's guards tonight, it's going to be a long day up in West or long night up in West Lafayette on Saturday. So, um, but good that ISU gets the opportunity to play the Boilermakers. They haven't played them in a decade, haven't played them in West Lafayette, I don't think since 09, 08 or 09. Um, so, it'll be an interesting trip to go up to Mac Arena on Saturday. And it'll be good to see ISU be on the other side of the shoe, too, where Truman State came into this game tonight wanting to, uh, you know, get an upset win, beat a Division One team. ISU will be in their position on Saturday trying to beat a well-respected Big Ten team. So, as always, it'll be fun. Um, that's all I've got for tonight. I did want to say one last thing before I go. Um, I actually had this on the other podcast I recorded and aborted over the weekend, but I do want to pay tribute to one of my now former colleagues, um, and that's Dave Reynolds, the beat writer, former Bradley beat writer for the Peoria Journal Star. And uh, Dave has been the dean of the Valley Beat Writers since the day I started covering Indiana State back in uh, all the way back in 2004. So when I came into the league, I, I was an experienced reporter. I'd covered other things, but it was really my first beat uh, per se, where I'm there every day, home and away coverage, all that stuff. And um, to get a feel for what the standard of covering a team in the in the Missouri Valley Conference 
uh, was supposed to be like, you know, I looked at my veteran peers and Dave Reynolds was one of them. And uh, while he never literally sat me down and showed me the ropes, it doesn't really work like that. But you see people and how they work. You learn things by example. And the professional example that he set was always such a high bar, um, along with some of his other um, colleagues that I've since become friends with over the years. And um, so I really appreciate the example that he set for not only myself, but several others who have come to cover the Missouri Valley Conference. And it's especially to cover because um, really, if you want to look at it a certain way, of all the conferences in the NCA, the Missouri Valley is probably the one that's lowest in the conference rankings, if you want to put it that way, that does have everyday beat writer coverage at a majority of, at a majority of its schools. Not every school has it these days, but most still do. And it's kind of a fraternity in the league, as it is in the other leagues, uh, for the beat writers um, to trade information. And if you're around long enough, basically, uh, you know, become friends. And that's how it's occurred for me. Dave was a big part of that process, uh, among others, guys like Lyndall Scranton, who used to cover Missouri State, and uh, the unfortunately late Steve Pivovar, who covered Creighton before they left the league. Um, those were people that I admired and looked up to, and it won't be the same with Dave gone. So, um, so I just want to use this opportunity to say thank you. And uh, I'm sure the fans up at Bradley and in the Missouri Valley Conference uh, really appreciate everything that he did to cover Bradley. I think he started covering Bradley 1990-ish, uh, right around there. I mean, I graduated from high school a year before that, and I'm old. So uh, that gives you an idea of how long Bra Dave was covering Bradley, and, and he did so with uh, distinction. So uh, anyway, thanks to uh, Dave. Hopefully he's going to enjoy his uh, his retirement. And... Um, it's weird that he's not the dean of the Valley Beat Writers anymore, and I'm not going to mention who the new dean of the Valley Beat Writers is because um, I don't want to be... Uh, we'll just stay away from that right now. So I'll just put it this way. I'm not the oldest beat writer in the league. So anyway, uh, thanks for listening. We'll do... Like I said, I'm going to try to make this a regular thing. So get on tribstar.com or one of the many uh, services that have podcasts, Spotify, uh, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, you name it. You know, you know the drill. So hop on, listen throughout the season, get used to my annoying voice, and uh, it'll all work out. So anyway, thanks for listening, and we'll join you again. Thanks.